following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Well, at first glance, it seems to me at least, today's gospel, or the beginning of today's gospel especially, may seem to be something other than good news for the unnamed mother of Simon Peter's unnamed spouse. Just three short verses tell us all that we know about this person, and yet, although the story is short, apparently, it was important enough in the life of the early church that three of our four Gospels all tell it to us, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Today, we heard Mark's version. Let me read those three uh, three verses for us once again. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. Now, it's a short story already, but allow me to summarize. The men in the family all are at a church meeting. They come back home, undoubtedly all excited from their evening at the synagogue, because I know, after all, that's how we all feel after an evening of church meetings. But they're hungry, too, and they've brought extra friends along with them. The woman of the house, again, not given a name in any of the three Gospels who tell this story, but nonetheless, the woman of the house is down with a fever. And now, her son-in-law brings home this hungry group of friends. It's perfect timing. Then Jesus enters the story. And Jesus acts through this series of rapid verbs. He goes to her, he takes her by the hand, he raises her up, and in the process of those actions, her fever leaves her. She is healed, she's restored, she's made whole. And before that sentence even is ended, we are told she serves them. One minute, she's lying in bed with a fever, and the very next, As soon as she's feeling just even a little bit better, she's fetching drinks and chips and trying to figure out whether there's enough food in the house to scrape together a meal for this hungry group of friends. So yes, she's healed from her fever, but really I wonder sometimes when I read this story, where is the good news for Simon's mother-in-law? It's that last sentence, of course, the canon, and really I think probably should feel a bit awkward for us. The fever left her, and she served them. Wouldn't it be better if she'd gotten up from her sickbed and and talked with them, or ate with them, or just had a little more time to recover? After all, she's the one who's been sick all this time. Why is it she who's having to make the chicken noodle soup? And yet, awkward as they may feel for us, the story is clear about it. She gets up, and she serves them. Or, we might say, she waits on them, The word in Greek used here is a form of the word diakoneo, which was used in the sense of waiting tables specifically, the role of a servant at a meal. But in the life of the early church, already by the time that gospels were being written down, this verb and its related noun, diakoneo and diakonos, already meant much more than that. Both the verb and the noun were starting to be used oftentimes to refer to their whole life together as church, the shape of their lives in relationship with each other, the form of their community in Christ. From diakonos, we get our order of deacons in many Christian traditions, including our own United Methodist. To be a deacon, or to deacon in the verb form, is to do more than wait tables, more than serve food, although that's always included in it. 
But other instances of that word in the gospel open and, and broaden its meaning for us. For example, earlier in this first chapter of Mark, the very same word, diakoneo, is used to describe how the angels took care of or deaconed for Jesus during his 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism. Then later in Mark chapter 10, Jesus uses this same word to describe his own life's mission or statement of purpose. The Son of Man, he says, did not come to be served, but rather to serve, to diakoneo, to deacon, and to give his life to liberate many people. And then toward the end of Mark's gospel, again, the very same word is used once more to describe the women who were witnesses to Jesus' crucifixion, the women who had followed and supported him. They had deaconed for him, along with many other women who had come to Jerusalem with him. This same word in verb form, diakoneo, shows up four times in the Gospel of Mark. First, to describe how the angels took care of Jesus in the wilderness. Then, to describe Jesus' entire life and ministry in the world. Then, to describe the support, both financial and emotional support, provided by the women around Jesus. And then here today, to describe the response of Simon's mother-in-law to her experience of being healed. To serve to wait on, to support, to liberate, to deacon, to minister. As God guides us, however God will guide us, to care for the needs of folks around us in active and in practical ways. Simon's mother-in-law experiences this life-giving encounter with Christ. Jesus comes to her and, and touches her, and through that touch she is healed, she's restored. She discovers the grace, the mercy, the love that God has for her, that God is always holding out for her, extending toward her. And immediately, immediately she starts deaconing. She starts ministering, just like the angels, just like Jesus, just like the women who traveled with and supported Jesus, just like we each are called and sent to do. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve, to deacon, to minister, and to give his life to liberate many people. That's Jesus' description of his own life's purpose. And so that's Jesus' description of our ongoing purpose as Christ's body in this world. We are to serve, to deacon, to minister. So although Simon's mother-in-law isn't given a name by the story, she gives us an example. She embodies the good news that God doesn't only love us, but that through that love, God invites us, invites us to be full partners in God's healing, saving, world, neighborhood, transforming love. As we are transformed by God's healing touch, in whatever ways that we experience that, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally, as we are transformed by God's healing touch in our lives, we are then called and equipped and sent to serve, to support, to care for, to liberate. Each of us and all of us, called and equipped and sent to minister, to express God's healing love. Simon's mother-in-law wasn't ordained for this work, of course. She wasn't set apart for ministry in the institutionalized way that we do today. Nobody was at that point. And yet the gospel's description of her makes a very strong case for us to consider her the church's first deacon, transformed by Christ's presence into active ministry. In the earliest days of the church, 
Deacons were those persons who cared for the physical needs of the congregation and the broader community. Both women and men were set apart to deacon in their communities. That tradition continues today, of course, across our United Methodist Connection, in which deacons are ordained to carry the compassion of the church out into the community and to bring the needs and the opportunities of the community to the attention of the church. But of course, for the church to be the living, breathing, acting body of Christ that God means for us to be, we don't just need ordained folks to do this work. We need the whole priesthood of all believers, all of us, each of us, serving as ministers where we are, in the community, in the neighborhood, as students and nurses and engineers and electricians and, and as social workers and pharmacists and truck drivers and, and as parents and grandparents, every one of us each of us, all of us, set on fire by the Holy Spirit where we are to deacon, to serve in our neighborhood. None of us is called to be a passive consumer of our faith. Each of us is given unique and essential ways that we can live our calling according to the gifts that God has given us. Each of us is called to follow the example of this earliest unnamed disciple. Like her and with her, while we're coming to know Jesus, while we're being touched by God's grace, as we are experiencing the healing and the wholeness that God offers to us, we too can respond to God's love expressed toward us by sharing that love with others. And as we do so, we can live into our calling to be ministers of the gospel, every one of us where we are, as teachers and attorneys, as salespersons and physicians, as volunteers and friends and neighbors, Wherever we are and whatever it is that we're doing already, our ordinary work can be transformed into ministry, a means for communicating God's healing love. And so this morning, on the back table, as you leave this space today, we have copies of this year's Spiritual Gifts Inventory to give to you. This inventory is an invitation for each and every one of us, an invitation into active ministry through the life of this congregation. Now, this inventory, I understand, is a long-standing tradition in this congregation, and I am certainly grateful for it. It looks a little bit different this year, so I don't want you to fill it out and return it right away today. My hope is that you'll take it home with you, that you'll take some time with it this week, that you'll prayerfully consider the opportunities that are listed on this form, each and every one of them an invitation for you to serve, to minister, to communicate God's love in and through our life together with our broader community. So take this home, pray with it this week, then fill it out and bring it back with you to worship next Sunday. And as we do so, in so doing, we will be following the example of Simon's mother-in-law, offering ourselves, offering our gifts and our skills and our listening ears and our kind words and our helping hands, offering ourselves in whatever ways that we can for the sake of God's ongoing ministry in this world. For we know the story of God's love still is a story being told right here, right now, through us. By grace, through love, each of us is invited in some way, in many ways, to be a part of it. And for that, thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.